Hello and welcome to another episode of Whiteout, the blanks in public education. I'm Lizzie Melia. And I'm Anna Cronline. And we've been best friends since birth. We've gone to the same schools up until college, which has solely been Eurocentric focused. So now we've decided that we're going to try and right the wrongs of our public education and tell the stories that were not in our history textbooks. So today, Anna, I wanted to tell you the story of picture brides. So tell me, what do you know about mail order brides? Um, well, I haven't done any research on them or anything like that, but from what I know, or what I think I know, um, <laughs> they're like women who get bought by Americans to be their wives and get sent over from like Ukraine or something. Yeah, you're not you're not entirely wrong. Um, you'd be surprised at how actually continuing uh, the prevalence of it is in today's society, but it has a very interesting origin, which. Um, from my research is this thing called picture brides, which essentially was um, these Asian communities, especially Japanese is which is my focus today, is these Japanese women and these Japanese men would send each other pictures of themselves, kind of like online dating today, but through the mail and where there was this very large population of Asian men in on the West Coast and in Hawaii, where they were brought over as laborers. However, when um, the United States was bringing these people over, they only brought men over to do, like, you know, hard labor and all that stuff and work in the fields and then farms. So they didn't have any people to marry and they couldn't marry white women because that was against every single rule in the book in the United States at the time. So this practice of um, mail order brides and these picture brides came about in like 1907 when the United States passed the act of the gentlemen's agreement, which um, restricted immigration of Japanese laborers, but made it so that families could be reunited. So the origins of the picture brides came from this because with this, allowance of families being reunited that included bringing your wife over so they found a loophole they did find a loophole that's exactly what it was is these um if they were quote-unquote married they could bring them over so these men would send pictures of themselves and the women would send pictures of them and if the um, picture of them was like acceptable and on the women's side if their elders agreed with it, then these women would come over to the United States and um, get married. They essentially had, like, these mass weddings on the docks of, um, like, Hawaii or L.A., where all these women would meet their future husbands and then, like, current husbands for the very first time. And a lot of the times, these men did not look like their pictures because, you know, Everyone likes a little photo tune and like all that stuff, which is essentially what they did back then as well. They would borrow fancy suits and nice items. They would send pictures of when they were younger to try and impress these women. They'd even sometimes lie and say that they were business owners or shop owners when most of the time these men solely worked in hard labor. So catfishing began 100 years ago. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what it is, actually. Um, 
And there was a lot of different reasons for why the women would come over. It was sometimes they did it of their own choice. They heard that, you know, America, the land of the dreams, all that stuff. Uh, some women came over be- for the socioeconomical aspect of it, where you could make money in Hawaii working on these fields. They didn't realize it was only like 65 cents an a-, a day. But um, they wanted to come and like make something of themselves. Other times women came over because their parents arranged the marriage because arranged marriages were still very common back then. And um, about 20,000 women came over, immigrated to Hawaii and L.A. and other places along the West Coast from like 1908 to 1924. Uh, The Japanese government stopped issuing passports for picture brides in 1920. But um, about four years of picture brides continued um, before the United States kind of put an end to it. Mm. But yeah, I know so many people. Um, But with these communities coming over, uh, these women were often surprised at who they found because obviously these men weren't necessarily who they said they were. And a lot of times they didn't realize how much work they were going to have to do once they got to the United States. Because they worked these very hard labor jobs, whether they were working in the sugarcane fields in Hawaii or um, doing laundry or housework. It was really like brutal labor for not very much pay. And um, so it definitely, it was not a dream. And I found a couple interviews from women of the time and they were definitely very surprised and (laughs) it was not what they necessarily expected and a lot of the men weren't great to themselves and some of the women even blamed themselves for coming over if it was their choice and they thought that like it was uh their bad but what this um act did is all these picture brides allowed for these asian communities to prosper because before all these women found this loophole to come over there was solely men and then a couple like sex workers essentially but other than that it was these men were brought over to have to do labor for cheap and then the i mean the white majority didn't want these people staying here um so that's why they didn't allow women to come over until the gentleman's act because you know they weren't trying to have these people put down roots But then they let all these women come over and these families started popping up. And then the United States became very against Asian people, uh, which they always were, but they really shut down immigration with the 1924 Immigration Act, which further restricted immigration and slowed down this picture bride, um, like, phenomena, essentially, because now no one was allowed to come in because they were trying to... (laughs) oops, right the wrongs. Oh my God, we let all these people in. We don't want them here. But they were a little too late because of all of these women that were able to come over, they started making families. Thousands of of new families. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. They set down these roots. They made their homes in Hawaii, in little Tokyo, in LA, in San Francisco. They had... Um, they were here and they were going to make the best of what they had. And 
Um, that's why if you go to Hawaii now, you'll see that it is a very large Asian population, which, I mean, if you don't know this history, would be kind of surprising. Because obviously, you know, it was its own little kingdom until we just swooped over and took it over. <laughs> but it's because of all of these picture brides and the need for labor that um, the Howies, which is the white people, that's what white people are called in Hawaii, weren't going to do. Um, which I just thought was like super fascinating. And the thing that really spurred me into looking into this more was the movie uh, Picture Bride and then um, Flower Drum Song, which both have elements of um, this like mail order bride, essentially. The Picture Bride obviously is much more heavily focused on it due to that, the name implying it, where it uh, really shows the surprising struggles. I mean, not really surprising, but surprising to them struggles of what it was like to be a Picture Bride. And it focuses on this nice sweet Japanese lady that comes over to marry a Japanese man that looks nothing like his picture. And it shows the hardships and how much these communities had to work and fight to try and survive and to live even slightly decent lives. Um, but it's really powerful because it shows um, their resilience as well and that they weren't going to let um, adversity stop them. And then in Flower Drum Song, it, uh, the picture bride element is not its sole focus, but it does the main character, um, Mei Li, comes over because she's promised to um, this one man as picture bride. And then, of course, shenanigans ensue. It's a comedy and a musical, <laughs> but um, that is really what spurred it is this woman came over because she was promised marriage and this opportunity. Which is, it's really fascinating to me. Yeah, this woman must be really brave to just jump into something so unknown. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely could not do that. I, um, it's just so fascinating. And like, yeah. yeah. Even think that like, women nowadays do online dating and are still like, wary of going on a first date with someone that they don't know. But then 100 years ago, these women were flying or sailing I don't know across the ocean to meet these men that they're gonna marry at yeah first. I mean the, but the thing is like the difference is privilege and opportunity there is these women didn't have a choice they like this was their essentially kind of their only option especially if their families really pressured them into doing it and like set it up because I mean they're uh in Asian communities you you do what your parents say like that was a very like the traditional way especially in the 1900s is you followed your parents orders and if they arranged this marriage you were gonna go do it yeah and because they were so expensive it's probably like if I leave my family here I'm leaving them with a dowry essentially like all this money and so if I leave I'm probably helping them out and then I'm also finding a new life in America so it's no that's absolutely what it was (laughs) (laughs) no that's you're absolutely right there where um they were they were leaving the money and then they would send home money so they were providing for their family that way and Mm -hmm. but you're right because it was so expensive to get there if they weren't happy, a lot of them were stuck. They, and most people did not have the money to return back to Japan. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of them suffered abuse and uh, unhappy marriages. And some of them ran away, but a lot of them were just stuck and they had to try and make the best of an unpleasant situation. Um, but just like, I like could not imagine like they were incredibly brave to have just like that commitment and just like that leap of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Now what's interesting is, you know, even after once immigration laws were lifted, like the 1922, sorry, immigration act, all those things were lifted and immigrants were allowed to come in. Picture Brides kind of made a comeback unless it was less um, random luck of the draw. But I actually found a New York Times article from, uh, what was it? It was 1986 um, that this woman is talking about how successful her agency is doing at bringing in uh, Filipinos and other Asian community women to marry these American men. Isn't that kind of surprising? That is not that long ago. I wonder if she's still like in business or if her family carried it. <laughs> I have no idea. It seems really strange that a man would want to mail order a bride, like especially like in the 80s and 90s, because that's just so old fashioned. That's so strange. Like we're coming up on the digital age, you know, and it's just like, that just seems really weird to me. I wouldn't understand the desire of ordering a human being <laughs> to marry, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, from this article, it says the men involved often say that they prefer what they see as old-fashioned, submissive Asian women to the aggressive independence of their Western counterparts. So it, this it's also the switch of now it's American men. It's not these Asian men that literally their only option for a family is if they can get another Asian woman because they are no longer, mm-hmm. they're not allowed to marry anyone else. And now it's, um, it's just like these white American men that want to have this quote unquote submissive woman, which like is a stereotype. Not all Asian women are submissive, but. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> it, it is. It, it definitely is. And. I was the thing that like I think shocked me the most was while I was doing this research I was googling mail order brides and all of these websites I think at least three different websites popped up for you could where you could go today and order your bride um and of course it's much more sophisticated now it's like online dating um but it's still you are paying this company X amount of money and this woman will come and marry you and get her green card. And um, like one of the things on it was the price for a um, middle-class average, well-educated Thai bride is between 3,000 and 10,000 American dollars. That's just insane. (laughs) Yeah. To put a price on a human Mm -hmm. and (laughs) this is a slightly off topic but the like tab before it was the price of a russian bride and they were thirty thousand. so still today like i don't know i guess 
the color of your skin determines your price still. Like if you want to, you want a Russian, you have to pay more. If you want someone that's white, you got to pay more than a poor sweet Thai lady. Wow. That's really messed up. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a very just like crazy part of our culture that is not as prevalent as it was because before it was almost a necessity, but now it's just kind of creepy old white men that are using their wealth and America to their advantage. Yeah. But. And I can't imagine that they would treat these women well once they arrive to America. You know, if you're ordering a bride online, like. Yeah, I mean, hope, I would like to hope that they are, but there is definitely no guarantee that they are. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really all I have for um, our little history subject of today is the Japanese mail order brides. Um, I got to ask, what was the most surprising part for you? I mean, it's all pretty shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really insane that it's still happening today. You know, I mean, um, it makes sense. Uh, Their little loophole that they created, like, yeah, that they could form families in Hawaii and San Francisco, like you said, and you know, stay in America and pursue the American dream. And that's like really cool and really brave of them. But the fact that it's still happening today where like white men are ordering their Thai brides, it's like, maybe this should come to an end. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but there's something that seems a little fishy about that. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you that I think that was probably the most shocking thing to me. I didn't know anything about the picture brides until we discussed it in my history class or my Asian American studies class. But um, yeah, the fact that it's still prevalent today is I think what is most dumbfounding to me. Cause it's like, you'd think mm-hmm. just like why, but people are weird. I think that's very, yes, very obvious. <laughs> but yeah, well, I think that's all I have. Um, I want to thank you for participating and um, uh, I'm going to list some of my sources now and then all the sources will be in the show notes. I forgot to say that at the end of the last episode, but I got information from the gardenislands.com. Seaket, which is a PBS website for like um, the West coast uh, California area, the Los Angeles Times, the Encyclopedia dot show, which is like an encyclopedia for Asian American information, which is really cool, I thought, and definitely a cool place to get some cool resources. The New York Times uh, magazine article that I read from 1986. And then, yeah, that's um, essentially all the places I got this information, as well as the two movies I referenced, Flower Drum Song and um, The Picture Bride. And that's really all I have for you, Anna, and our lovely listeners. I want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. And um, yeah, I will talk to you again same time next week. All right. Looking forward to it.